Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're listening with us today. We're continuing our Infinitely More series today. Last week, we discussed the I am statements and the I will statements of Jesus, the promises he makes to us. Today, we're going to dig into one of those I will statements and ask a very important question. Who, yes, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's get right into it this morning. Here's Pastor Nicole. Welcome to the sixth week of the Infinitely More series. Uh, We have been journeying with Jesus throughout the scripture, and we have seen how his promises have brought us closer to understanding his plans for our life. So last week we talked about the I am statements of Jesus. And if you weren't able to tune in, I would encourage you to to go back and listen to that sermon. Uh, We also talked about the I will promises of Jesus. And Jesus says these things. I will make you fishers of men. I will give you rest. I will love you. I will keep you. I will do what you ask in my name. I will come again and I will send the Holy Spirit. Now today, I want to center in on that last I will statement. I want to take some time this week to explain to you exactly who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates in our lives to produce infinitely more results. There was a man, actually, who recently visited the Sistine Chapel. I read this story this week. And and he couldn't wait to arrive and see the wonder and the splendor of what Michelangelo did with paint and with color. And he'd read the books and seen the pictures. And he just couldn't wait to get in and see it firsthand. So with the excitement building, he walked in the front door. and, And he was hit with something that you could only be described as complete disappointment. Yes. In fact, he was underwhelmed by the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, and everything he saw looked faded and gray. And the colors that jumped off the page in the book that he was reading uh, just weren't as colorful in person. And so in his disappointment, he found one of the curators, and he bluntly asked, what happened? Where is the color? Where is the life and all the brilliance that I've read and I've heard about? And as the curator walked the man through the halls, he pointed to the candles uh, that were burning throughout the chapel. And he explained to the man how the candles are always burning. And because they continually burn for years and years, the soot and the ash from the candles have created a dull film on the ceiling and the walls. And it has actually covered uh, much of Michelangelo's art. Um, But in some areas of the chapel, the ceiling had been restored. and And the curator walked the man into some of those restored parts of the chapel. And the restoration process had special chemicals to remove uh, the layers of of soot and smoke that were covering the ceiling. And in those areas, Michelangelo's masterpiece was better than the man could have even ever imagined. He was in complete awe. So here's how this story connects to where I'm talking about today, is that in all honesty, uh, there's a lot of smoke blown about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that we learn about, depending on your church background, depending on your personal experiences. You have formed an opinion about the Holy Spirit that is probably potentially clouded or faded or gray or not as incredible and wonderful as he actually is. In fact, you may know very little about the Holy Spirit, uh, so you maybe fill in the blanks uh, in error, not purposely, but you try to figure it out, and and where you come out uh, in your own mind ends up being uh, false or an error. And it's possible that maybe even today you're listening or you're hearing about the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And so we all kind of come into understanding about the Holy Spirit with a lot of uh, potential 
faded or, or smoke or gray uh, that, that films who the Holy Spirit is actually. So wherever you are in your faith journey today, I would like to uh, figuratively take a damp cloth and wipe off the confusion that exists about the Holy Spirit. And it's my hope um, that you would see the brilliance that exists when we allow the Holy Spirit to come close and impact our lives. And we can see the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to work in and through us all the time. A prayer I want us to pray together throughout this message today is this. Holy Spirit, help me know you better. Holy Spirit, help me know you better. In fact, I want to say that out loud together. So whether you're in front of your TV or your phone or you're in your car this morning, would you just repeat after me right now? Holy Spirit, help me know you better. And I believe that that the Holy Spirit will answer that prayer and that he will help us dust off maybe the belief systems or the things that we uh, thought we understood about the Holy Spirit and allow us to get a full look on who he really is. So I want to start in John 16, 7, which is where the I will statement of Jesus comes from. And it says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And that's Jesus speaking. And basically, he's telling the disciples uh, as their leader, as their friend, it's going to benefit you if I leave. And I'm sure the disciples uh, must have been confused, uh, perhaps bewildered, uh, maybe even frustrated. What do you mean it would benefit us if you left us? You're the one leading us. You're the one teaching us. Why would it benefit us if you left us? And Jesus goes on to just explain uh, that when he leaves, he will send the advocate. And this advocate would be our helper. And this advocate would be the Holy Spirit. And as hard as it was for the disciples to hear, Jesus knew that it was better for him to go and the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus knew that even though he was fully God and fully man, he was at that time still limited to human form. And so for him to go and the Holy Spirit to come would benefit the people. Jesus knew that the Spirit of God would not be limited to a physical body or location, but that he could literally move across the entire world, impacting people on an individual level. And he wanted his disciples to know that the Holy Spirit was coming, not just to live among them, but to live inside of them. So think about why uh, this is a benefit to us. I was thinking about that this week. And, and I was thinking if Jesus had never left the earth, if, if he had stayed uh, here and, and confined to his human body forever, and the Holy Spirit never came alongside us, uh, this is probably how it would be. If we wanted to receive something from Jesus, so if we needed advice about something, or counsel, or provision, or if we needed healing, or we needed an answer to prayer, or, or we just wanted to experience his presence, we would have to first um, book a flight to Tel Aviv, Israel. We'd have to fly all the way across the world. Then we'd have to rent a car, drive to Galilee, hope to find some accommodations that would be good for us. And then imagine with me if we were doing that every single time we, we needed counsel or wisdom, millions of other people would want the same thing. They would want something from Jesus. And so once we even were able to find Jesus, we didn't have to wait in line or, or however they would set it up for hours to talk to him. And then when we finally got to him, we would maybe have a moment or two, and then we would be sent back on our long journey home. 
And with all of these obstacles, it would be improbable that we would meet and experience Jesus maybe more than once in a lifetime. And so what's happening here is Jesus is painting the picture. Why is it best that Jesus go away? Well, in contrast, the Holy Spirit can always be there for us. He doesn't have to sleep or eat. He can carry on billions of conversations at the same time with billions of different people. He is closer than the words on our lips. And if we mutter, come Holy Spirit, he is right beside us. And the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He, he has the same nature. He teaches like Jesus. He amplifies the things of God like Jesus. And he's here with us. He's our guide our protector, our counselor. He is our coach. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us so that we can experience infinitely more than our human limits put on us, than our human limits place on us. So I'm just going to talk a little bit more about today, some important things we need to know and, and be fully convinced of about the Holy Spirit. And the first is this, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a mystical being. He is not a feeling. Uh, he is not an emotion. He is not the goosebumps that go down the back of your neck. You know, these things can happen to us when we encounter the person of the Holy Spirit, but that is not all he is. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. While the Holy Spirit can express himself in many ways, like, like the calm, subtle movement of wind or the warmth of a fire or this overwhelming emotion that, that draws you into deeper worship, the Holy Spirit is still a person. And this is why this is so important for us to understand. It's so important for us to, to be convinced of this because the Holy Spirit is a person. He can impact us in a personal way. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, he can impact us in a personal way. You can't have a conversation with the wind. You can't have a conversation or, or, or receive something back from the goosebumps on the back of your neck. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And so you can interact with him in a personal way. And John 14 15 through 17, it says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, if you notice in that passage where they're talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses the pronoun he and him. Jesus does not say it or this feeling Jesus says he when referring to the Holy Spirit, uh, actually honoring the Holy Spirit as a person. Now, it's interesting because as we study the pronouns in our English language, um, we have the three primary pronouns are he, she, and it, right? It is for a, a object or an animal. He is for a male. She is for a female. But there is no singular gender neutral pronoun to describe male or female in the English language. But this does exist in the Greek language, in the New Testament. And you will find it in reference to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus uh, actually technically uses a word here to describe the Holy Spirit that we can't translate in the English language. It's, it's, a, it's a pronoun that actually mixes he and she together. It's a, it's a pronoun that just says it is not an object. This is not an object. This is a being. This is a person. The second thing we want to know about the Holy Spirit today is the Holy Spirit has feelings. The Holy Spirit has feelings. So like any person, if we believe the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit has feelings. 
and we can hurt his feelings. Ephesians 4.30 instructs us in this way, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So what this is telling us is the Holy Spirit can be saddened by our actions. Now, there are many ways to grieve the Holy Spirit. That means to be saddened, to be, uh, to be disappointed. When we neglect our relationship with him, it grieves him. When we live selfishly, it grieves him. Uh, when we continue to sin, even when we know it's wrong, that grieves him. You know, the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. And when we fail to do the same, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And so there are lots of different ways that that can happen. Charles Spurgeon, a great historical preacher, said this, I think I now see the Spirit of God grieving when you are sitting down to read a novel and there is your Bible unread. You have no time for prayer, but the Spirit sees you very active about worldly things and having many hours to spare for relaxation and amusement. And then he is grieved because he sees that you love worldly things better than you love him. This grief... Uh, is not a petty, oversensitive nature. Uh, it's not an of offensive, kind of pout-in-the-corner sort of thought. This Holy Spirit that, that is a person that has emotions, the Holy Spirit, he is not weak or fragile. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called Comforter. We talk a lot about how he's our comforter and he helps us in our, in our time of need. But also in the scripture, in Isaiah 11:2, he is described as the spirit of might. So the Holy Spirit is not just oversensitive and, and a comforter all the time. He is also strong. He is a spirit of might. And the spirit of the Lord, it says in Isaiah 11:2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now the Holy Spirit is sad. Uh, oftentimes he's grieved because he deeply loves us. He, he grieves because he sees how much sin costs us. He grieves mainly for our sake. He grieves mainly because he knows how deeply we are loved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he knows how much communion with him that we lose when we live outside of the promises of God. So let's go on to number three. The third thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit draws us. The Holy Spirit draws us. You know, the Holy Spirit works in both the life of the believer and the unbeliever. That's right. The Holy Spirit is working even in the life of a person who has not yet committed their life to be a follower of Jesus. John 6, tells us this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. And so if you have a relationship with Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit drew you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you there even right now as I speak. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to draw people back into relationship with God. There is a consistent spiritual battle happening in the life of every unbeliever. And God does not give up on drawing us into relationship with him. An unbeliever may not admit that or understand that or see that. But the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to bring attention to the things of God around us. Now don't be fooled. God is not only real to those who believe in him. He is real. Whether someone thinks he is real or not, the things of God are real. I love the Greek word for draw. It's halkuo, which means to drag. 
In fact, the visual on this is like a rope tied around your waist, that the Holy Spirit is literally trying to drag everyone back to God and back to his plan for their lives. If I was able to to reach through today and ask you to share how you came to follow Christ, you could most likely point to a moment or a season when the Holy Spirit began to draw or maybe quite literally drag you away from your sinful life and bring you closer to God. It's possible maybe that you're watching today and you, uh, maybe, maybe not because you necessarily have a great desire to, but because something is drawing you, because something is drawing you here. Maybe you're not even sure how to describe what it is that made you start watching today, but I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit brought you here today so that you could know how important you are to God and that he has a plan for your life, a plan that is infinitely more than you could think or imagine. In fact, if you are praying for someone who is far from God, you can pray this way. Holy Spirit, draw my spouse to you. Holy Spirit, tie a rope around the waist of my son and drag him back to you. Holy Spirit, help my coworker respond to your drawing. This is an actionable thing that the Holy Spirit does. And so when we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do that thing, we are praying right in alignment with the will of God. Okay, the last thing that I want to talk about uh, regarding the Holy Spirit today is that the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit offers us guidance and direction because he knows the desires of God. And so he helps us align with the desires of God. And when we are controlled or led by the Holy Spirit, we are led to do the things that please God. The Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us, to lead us, to help us stay in perfect alignment with the will of God. I want to read this passage in Galatians 5 that really explains to us how to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's a few verses long, so follow along with me. Galatians 5, 19 through 25. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So recently I went to a conference in Missouri and I rented a car. And uh, this car was much newer than the one that I drive while I'm here at home. In fact, it was equipped with cameras and lane sensors all over it. So if I uh, were to steer or veer outside of my lane, it would alert me. Uh, in fact, this very high-pitched siren would, would kind of go off. A light would come on the, on the dashboard and it would remind me, you are not in the center of your lane and these sensors even measured the distance of the, of the car in front of me. So if the car slowed down in front of me and I didn't hit my brakes fast enough, as I should have, the car would actually begin to apply brakes on its own. 
At one point, I thought, I'll just sit in the passenger seat and read a book, and I'll just let this thing take me to the airport. I mean, it was basically doing the driving for me. And as that was happening, this reminded me of this passage that we just read in Galatians 5. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit desires to work in our lives almost in the same way as that car, that the Holy Spirit wants us to stay in the lane where God has placed us and created us for and keep us from the destruction of the life that is outside of all that God has to offer. And so the Holy Spirit gives us guidelines, like I just read in Galatians 5. Here are the things that will get you out of your lane. Here are the things that will put you at risk for a crash. Jealousy, lustful pleasures, drunkenness, the list went on as we read it. And if I haven't milked this analogy enough, and I realize uh, at one point that you could actually control the sensitivity of the rental car, and so I could silence the alerts if I was tired of, of hearing them, or I could remove the braking feature. I really am a good driver, I swear, uh, but, I, but I had an experience with this car as it began to show me all of the things that, that I wasn't doing as they were saying, this is how you should drive, and, and this is when you should stop, and all these things. And at one point, I, I ended up just turning off off all of those sensors and lights and because I was tired of hearing that the car was uh, you know, showing me my failure. But I think so often we do that with the Holy Spirit in our life. We want to serve God, but we don't want to relinquish the control of our lives. Uh, we want God to provide for us and give us purpose and meaning, but we're constantly moving in and out of the lane that God has destined us for. And so we um, hypothetically, we silence the alert. We, we turn off the sensitivity. We don't take the counsel and the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us. And, and when we're, we are frustrated with our lives because they're not what we hoped, but we didn't take the advice or the, the, the um, prompting of the Holy Spirit in the first place. And something that the Lord really spoke to me as I was driving that rental car in Missouri is if you refuse to listen to the voice of correction you won't hear the voice of direction. That when the Holy Spirit gives us the voice of correction, if we reject it, if we refuse it, then when it's time for a voice of direction, we won't hear that either. You know, God wants to turn up all the sensitivity features in your life by giving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you toward your destiny. And if you will allow him and give him control, he will do it in a way that we never could. He can do it in a way that we could never figure out on our own. Now, there's so much to learn about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, next Sunday, uh, please join us again because we're going to talk again about who the Holy Spirit is and the ways that he intersects our life. But I want to just recap what we learned today. And that's this. It's a benefit that the Holy Spirit was sent to us. It allows us to access him all the time, anywhere. And it allows us to understand the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is a person, therefore he can interact with us in a personal way. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The scripture tells us to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit with our actions or their lack of, uh, our, our inaction. The Holy Spirit draws us. He's working all the time to get us to pay attention and to notice God all around us. And the Holy Spirit leads us. He wants to give us direction. And if we tune into him and we amp up our sensitivity to his voice, he will lead us through any circumstance victoriously. So here is the prayer that I started with today. And here's the prayer that I want us, will you pray with me all week long, is this, Holy Spirit, 
Help me know you better. Holy Spirit, help me know you better. So here are some discussion and question points I want you to talk with your friends and your family about. Don't skip this part. It is important that we plant our roots deep in the soil of our faith, especially in such uncertain times. And so number one, how would you describe the Holy Spirit to someone who has never heard of him? Number two, what are some ways you think people and or our country and our world grieves the Holy Spirit? And number three, have you ever experienced the voice of direction or the voice of correction from the Holy Spirit? Share about that time. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. Join us next week for the conclusion of our Infinitely More series. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.